Who knows what Jay-Z, J.K. Rowling, Bill Gates and Oprah Winfrey all have in common? Okay, I will tell you then. They have all overcome failure in one shape or form to go on to gain success in their respective careers. Welcome to My Perfect Failure. Join us as we delve into the world of our perfect failures. We will interview, explore, and discuss how our perfect failures can lead us to success. Join us and tune in. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of My Perfect Failure. Today, we have another fantastic guest. So my guest today, he's an integrative executive coach based in San Diego, California. His meditations have been listened to over 500,000 times they've been downloaded, and he's been listened to on every continent. He works one-to-one with courageous professionals who build a bright future for their children to grow up and who are not afraid to go deep and to do deep inner work often needed to break through an old story. Previous executive clients include General Electric, Slack, Etsy, and JP Morgan. When he's not coaching, you can find him upside down doing a handstand or rolling in the grass with his son. So a very warm welcome to my perfect failure, Mark Gray. How are you, Mark? I'm feeling like a perfect failure. Great. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Paul. Well, well, the thing is, like, lead to actually get to this point where we're actually recording this episode. There, there have been some some failings on my part where I've not been able to do it because of a new job and all these different things. So it's um, this is so, the perfect time to be having this yeah, conversation. Yeah. So I'm I'm sort of exhibit A for the for, for perfect failure, but but what we what we have managed to do we, we we never gave up there was never a hint of us ever given up the, the show was always going to happen right, right. and um, and i'm excited too so 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 mark um mm-hmm. you've got a, a wonderful background and we're going to cover a, a a really important subject today and it's and it's this episode is called taking back our minds or your mind or our minds and you know we're, we're sort of dig into that a little bit but just before we do maybe we can tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into meditations because you've got over five hundred thousand meditations to date so maybe you can tell us a little bit about that and what what meditation means to you yeah yeah great question so you know uh, I'll, I'll answer the the first part second the okay to the second part first meditation to me is a lot like working out you know, in another lifetime, I was a USA triathlon coach and personal trainer and, uh, people would always come and they would say, you know, I, I, they would have different goals for working out. And so depending on what the goals are for working out, you have different exercises, right? If you want to be really, really, really strong and lift heavy weights, that's a very different workout routine than someone who wants to run a marathon, right? And so you look vastly different and the approach is vastly different and the outcome is vastly different. Literally the systems in the body that are grown, not just the external muscles, but the internal muscles are different. Okay. Right. And so your body and everything operates in a different way. The same for meditation, the same for meditation. When you enter into a curiosity with meditation, what do you want to get out of it? And there are different types of meditation for the outcomes that you seek to make. If what you you know want to practice really? is is playing the the manifestation game and becoming a co-creator of your reality, well, then there's a type of meditation for that. If there if you want to transcend the limitations of reality and and you know feel into oneness, there's meditations for that. And then, of course, if you want to just be more still and alleviate anxiety, there's meditations for that. So it, it's all about the approach. You know, what what is it for? Mm. Why are you here? What is it that you seek? That's interesting. For me, for me, yeah, to answer the first question, I first got into meditation, well, truly as a way to ask the big questions. My whole life, I've been a seeker and I've always wanted mm. to know why are we here? You know, I remember is 
young as far back as uh, sitting in school. Hmm. <laughs> and my, I remember my uh, English teacher at the time, you know, who I adored. I enjoyed the class. But I just remember sitting and, and listen, listening to her talk about, I believe it was Hamlet at the time, and I adore Hamlet as a, as a story. Uh, yet I remember sitting there and I was looking out at the trees swaying in the fall wind. And I remember just feeling into the idea that there is so much more to this thing called mm -hmm. life than I'm being told. There's yeah. so much more than this school is showing me. There's so much more than this religion is showing me. There's so much more. What is that? And I'm grateful that I never really let go of that question. And that question continues to serve me throughout this day. And so I discovered meditation when I traveled to Hawaii. And I had a friend whose dad uh, had done a lot of study at a Zen monastery in Japan. And he introduced me to Zen meditation. And he bought me a book on Zen meditation. And Zen meditation is formally called Zazen. Uh, which is also, you know, called the art of not thinking or not of uh, uh, non-thinking, and it's a very basic, extremely simple yet utterly, you know, difficult meditation practice, which is the focusing your eye gaze with eyes open at a fixed point, and calling attention to the thoughts that come into the mind, and trying to return to simply just breathing. And of course, that's a joke because anyone who's ever practiced meditation knows that you're never going to get there. There's always going to be a thought. There's okay. always going to be a sensation that arises. And that's the journey. And that journey just continues to fuel further questioning, further discovery. And it's beautiful. And I can go on and on about what it was like, my first mm. meditation experiences and, and what I became aware of. But I think I'll stop there and see where we go from here. Okay. Okay. So I'm fascinated by some of the stuff that you've just said around meditation, that it's almost like a pick and mix that if you're dependent on what your objective is or are, there is a meditation that you can choose that will serve that purpose. And you can essentially look at that meditation. So so is that what you cover? So say if I wanted a certain meditation that would, I don't know, say if I was looking at a job interview and I wanted to sort of get in that perfect state or just have an element of calm and focus, could I, is that something where you would recommend or if that makes sense, that question? Yeah, absolutely. So what would, what would likely most benefit there would be using meditation to put you into a meditative state mm. so <clears throat> so that you can rewrite the subconscious scripts that you have okay. that belittle your confidence. Okay. And so it's using a meditative state to write subconscious scripts that remind you of your strength, that remind mm. you of your talent, that remind you of why you are the okay. perfect person for that job. That that That's the form of meditation, I would say, in that situation, which is utterly, utterly profound. Hmm. Okay. Wow. Wow. And so I'm, I'm just fascinated. So I'm just going to stick with this for a couple, maybe two a couple more questions. So for people like me that aren't okay with meditation, but would like to be, how, how often should we meditate per day? And, and is there a, is there a defined duration in terms of how long that should be? I love that question. It's so, it's so Western. It's yeah. so Western <laughs> It's so like I'm fitting that yeah. pigeonhole. It's so like so. How long do I gotta do it for? And you yeah, know, I'll just continue yeah. to do it. And okay, yeah. fine. I'll just put it in. And I'll just yeah. lift those weights. You know, yeah. it's kind of like this very uh, wanting to control the experience. Mm. And it's a great question, and you know, I do have an answer for it, and. What I would say first, though, is why are you asking that question? I, why? Because I don't know. And I'm so with meditation, I've always, it's always been a little bit alien to me. And I've never quite got it just because I've never really done it. And you just have, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm peering into the window trying to understand what the process is 
And yeah, I've just got that curiosity because I, because when I speak to people that, that meditate, uh-huh. it seems quite profound in terms of what they get from it. And I'm, I feel a little bit distant from that world, but I love hearing about what it's actually giving them and what they're taking away from it. And I've never, so, th- so I'm trying to sort of get into that mystique. So maybe I can, I can sort of glean what we know, what, what they're gleaning. So I need, to go, I need to press even deeper then, if you don't mind. Yeah, of so course. Then, so then what is it that you're seeking? Why are you looking in that window? I guess some, some things that you sort of spoke about a little bit before, a little bit of knowing, a little bit of clarity about life, about, about why we're here, making sense of, you know, everything around us, me, how I, how I fit into the, into the wider scheme of things in this world and, you know, if I understand that a little, if I have a little bit more precision about where my place is, then I can be more impactful, you know, myself. And if I'm more impactful myself, then, you know, that would give me a, a, a better understanding of purpose, worth and value. So impactful for whom? For your community or for the world? I think, I think for everybody, for, for I, th- I think, I think first and foremost for maybe community world and that probably would give me some element of validity and and, okay. and and purpose so what i'm hearing you say is that i'm looking in the window because i want to feel like my life has validity yeah or, or yes yes or or where i can be most valid where where, where my okay. where, where me now can provide the most value sure yeah so you're at like an eight out of 10, you want to be at a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Okay. And so the impact's really important for you. Contri- contribution's really important to you. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. so in that, in that regard, meditation in the aim of uh, increasing your ability to focus and mm. in increasing your ability to discern what is actually valuable for your time, increasing your ability to feel the cavernous spaces in your heart so that you can open your heart more for others. These are all very clear, measurable results you would achieve from a meditation practice. Okay. Enlightening. Enlightening. So, okay. So that's, I didn't so, call it enlightenment. You did, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, well, it, well, it, well, it is because it's given me some. It's given me a, a more sort of focus and, and and yeah. Well, let's you know, just look at a, let's just look at a real very simple example, right? Mm. So you know, I, I often talk about a study where um, Gloria Mark uh, discovered at the University of California. Uh, that it takes an average of 25 minutes to return to a task after being interrupted. Mm. And that's something that usually hits home with people on the work front, right? So 25 minutes to return to a task. And I think pretty much everyone now, uh, after being forced to work from home, can understand that a little bit more. You're sitting mm. in work, and then all of a sudden, like you may have just heard my, my son cry. I have an eight and a half month old. You may have just heard him cry in the background. But regardless, we've all experienced, all of a sudden, we're in the zone, we're focusing, and then knock, 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 mm. or kids run in, or something happens that disturbs the flow. Yeah. Right. And we know what that feeling is like. The productivity decreases greatly, right? That is only being, uh, you know, exponentially affected by our technology. And we're consistently being distracted. So just focusing in on that for a brief moment, if we are consistently being distracted, how does that affect, influence our focus? If our focus is to have great impact in the world and we're being distracted all the time, I would measure, I would argue and wager that the value of your impact will greatly decrease because as, yeah. as most people would agree, and I would I would be interesting interested to have a conversation with someone who disagreed that to achieve deep meaningful work you have to focus greatly, right? Even if it's even if it's just a little bit of focus here and there, it need to have deep focus to achieve deep work. 
And uh, a lot of deep work equals higher impact. So the correlation mm. I'm making here is simply that if you are highly distractible, and who's not in this highly distractible world, then you will likely have a lesser amount of impact in your work because you're decreasing focus, you're mm. decreasing impact. If you were to okay, increase okay. your ability to focus and and more more easily create a system in your internal world and your external world where you're allowed allowing yourself you're stealing yourself to focus more then it would likely equate to deeper impact okay okay so that's a lovely segue into this particular episode of my perfect yeah. failure where we want to talk about how we can take our mind back how our minds have been distracted because what was interesting about when i was this is shows you how ingrained I am into this, what you've just spoke about, because even when I was reading around this particular episode and reading around all this amazing stuff you do, I had a phone present. I had my mobile present, <laughs> which meant that periodically throughout that process, I was delving into my mobile. And what I realized that I was becoming distracted. I was, I was, doing what you say that people do. I was basically uh, a live example of that. So what I had to do in order, because I've, I looked at the irony of what I was doing and I had to throw my mobile away to yeah. basically have focus and actually, you know, and remove a very real distraction where I was, you know, because when you go into your phone, it, it reminded me of, I, I've read, before uh, James Clear's uh, habitual habit, I think it's habitual habits. I forget the exact name of the book, but he talks about when you when we do something, particularly with a phone, it takes us into a different menu. So, like it's like going to a restaurant, and there's a different menu. So, I might go into Instagram. Then, once I've gone into Instagram, I might see something. It might trigger a thought, and then I go to somewhere else. And by the time I've come back, my head's in a different place, and I've lost that time. Probably that twenty five minutes that that you've that you reference so it's interesting how you came up with that concept about taking back our minds where did that come from well it came from my own my own journey and my own awareness of mm. what the role that the phone and social media and just the inundation of marketing advertisements have how they've affected my psyche but at first, it, the, the idea sparked when uh, my wife and I brought our son into the world. Mm. And, you know, our goal is to uh, greatly just be very conscious and mindful of the amount of screen time that our son is exposed to. Mm. And for, we made a you know, promise to each other, hey, let's, let's aim to have zero screen time for our son for the first year of his life. Mm. And we're not anti-technology people. God, I work from home. I use mm. my laptop. I mean, I love mm. technology and, you know, and I, I, I use it a lot and I'm always curious what the new technology is. So I'm certainly not, no, I'm certainly not a, not a Luddite mm. yet. I distinctly remember my son's a few months old and um, there was a screen on and it was, I believe my laptop because I was doing some work. Uh, my wife and I were sitting on the computer or sorry, on the couch and I was on the computer and it wasn't even in his direct vision. It was in his periphery, mm. but I saw how he just was utterly, his eyes were utterly fascinated <laughs> yeah. by the screen. Mm. And I notice it now too, when I'm holding him, if I look at my phone, all of a sudden his eyes go there as well. Yeah. And no matter what I try to do to bring his focus back to me, or to anything else, the phone wins, mm. the screen wins, mm. the sound of the phone wins. And so that is really interesting to me. And I have friends who go into a little bit more of the, you know, the pseudoscience in terms mm. of why that's happening. Mm. And I, I think they might may be right. But what I'm just more curious about is that that empirical evidence that, hey, that's happening right there. And so if you look at it like that, you say, okay, this is a brand new baby. Mm. And brand new babies are at a stage in their development where it's purely reflexive action. Mm. You know, they're in survival state, 
right? They're not thinking about what's the purpose of life. They're thinking, where's food? Am I safe? Where is food? Am I safe? <laughs> yeah. right? That's what they do yeah. at that state and at that stage in their development. And to just see how much, uh, how much of an influence the screen has on, on, on the, the mind just got me to realize that how is that affecting us as adults? And, you know, the new data shows us that it's affecting us very much the same. Mm. I mean, just look at texting and driving. You know, it's something that I think throughout the world, the majority of people would argue that you should not be looking at your phone while you're driving. Yeah. Yet, we're never going to get real data on that because most people would never really share uh, how often. But we know through many people opening up about it, and I will confess as well, how much when I just, if I'm driving in the car and I hear ding or I hear, Mm. yeah, I know that someone, (laughs) someone just texted me and I felt that vibration in my pocket. Mm. Oof. Ooh, I want to look at who was Mm. it. And we know from a neuroscience level that I believe it's oxytocin that's released. It's the Netflix hormone. It's the big hormone that says, what's next? What's next? What's next? Hey, there's a treat there. Hey, there's something there. You should probably go look at it. And we try and we try and we say, no, I'm going to wait till I get to the destination. I'm Mm. not going to do it. Because you know what? I'm not the type of person that texts and drives or looks at my phone while I'm driving. Because I know that you're six times more likely to be in a crash from texting and driving than drinking and driving. I know the data. I'm a mature adult. But no, it wins and the red light comes or a stop sign comes or, you know what, I'm on the highway and so there's really no one around so I can go look at my phone and all of a sudden you're looking at your phone. It, it has a power over us that is just, it, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. And so my curiosity is just, well, if it has that power over us, what is it distracting us from? What is it truly distracting us from? And I'll just say one last thing because I realize I'm throwing a lot at you, but what what happens is when we want to do, you said about impact, you said, I want to do deep, meaningful work. I want to make sure my life has an impact mm. in this world. And I know I'm doing a lot in this world, but I want my, to be the most impactful I can be. To get there requires deep, hard work. And anyone who's done hard work, whether it's creative or labor, you know, uh, labor-intensive work, there's a stress involved. There's a stress mm. involved with sharpening the sword so it's so, so sharp. There's a stress involved in finding the perfect word in that sentence for that novel you're writing. There's a, there's a stress involved, which is learning some of the you know, harder skills of whatever it is that you're doing. There's a stress involved in the new job that you're doing because mm-hmm. you're just learning something new. We have now literally been trained on a Pavlonian level, and I can explain what that means, but we've literally been trained on a Pavlonian level to, that, to distract ourselves from the stress of deep and meaningful Mm. work. Anything that requires stressful attention, we've been trained on a Pavlonian level to avert, to turn away, to go look at our phones, to go distract. And I think you can see the effect of what that can have on a lifetime. Yeah. And I do that. I'm aware of that. I'm aware, but I've not been able to break that habit because I know on occasions that when I'm doing something and there's, I hit sort of a brick wall and there needs to be deeper thought to, to, to get from point A to point B, then invariably I will pick up a phone, my, my phone and go into WhatsApp or go into some social media or to or just do something that doesn't aid that deep thought moment. It, it kind of, is a distraction. And on some occasions I might actually, get up afterwards because I forgot a little bit about what I was doing. I'll go and make a cup of tea or just do something. And then I come back. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to it, but I'm aware that I'm sort of caught up in that trap of being just allowing my mobile to be a tool to distract me from really sticking to what my focus was at that time. For like your son as an example, and there are obviously other kids that are born of this generation mm-hmm. for, for those guys it's going to be more of, of a challenge because they're born and they've got technology 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 there and for them to sort of live without that it's going to be more of a challenge so to, to, so for people to become aware of taking our minds back 
how, how, in your opinion, how important is that now? Or certainly to have that awareness. Sure. Yeah. Here's the thing for me is I think it's literally the, in, it's an inverted skill that we must acquire. And this is for anyone who's alive today. And yes, for children growing up today, absolutely. But for anyone who is alive today, this is a, a skill that is essential. And let me break it down what I mean by that. So when we look at, you know, uh, the anthropological evolution of the human uh, being, the human animal, uh, accessing information, finding information was, was always valuable. You know, so the more information you had, the more equipped you were to make great decisions, the, the more equipped you were to survive and mm. thrive. Mm. And just feel into that for a moment. We're, we're a culture obsessed with information. And, and there's no surprise that Amazon is doing as well as it, as it, as it is today. It started off as a bookseller. Yeah. It started off as a, as, a, as a wellspring for information. You know, and even though it does more than just books now, it's still, that's what it was first known as. And that's what A to Z means. Um, and so you're able to, you know, sell your book and, and buy books on there. And so we're a culture obsessed with information and that's good information. We're wired to seek information. You know, we, we still read, we still buy books. We still are obsessed with information. We still, uh, idolize institutions, higher education institutions, because we're wired to learn the skills to survive and thrive. Information is a, is a learned habit and it's biological and it's necessary. However, our problem today in our world isn't access to information. I remember being in a third world version of Dominican Republic where uh, I was touring with a group and um, the homes were, you know, these uh, sheet metal constructions of maybe 10 feet by 10 feet where a family of seven was living in and they, you know, had a dirt floor and it was really, you know, really hard living. They were very happy people and loving people mm. and man, they made great food and I loved <laughs> hanging out with them. But they're, they're, uh, you know, they're, it was technically third world. Uh, yet, I, I remember going to the community center that was there, where through a nonprofit they had set up a community center, and uh, they had access to extremely fast Wi-Fi, and so we were able to Google <laughs> Earth where I live and YouTube around where I live, and they and they were able to access all the information. Mm that I can access. So we have a ubiquity of information that we have access to. So the, the, the muscle to, to, to work, to flex, to grow, isn't accessing information. It's discerning information. It's cutting through the, the shallow information and saying, this is actually important for me to focus mm. on. Okay. I know there's going to be, because what happens is this, right? We see something, we go, okay, that's a piece of mm. information that I want to focus on. But what happens is there's all these other things happening all the time around us. And so we can easily choose to be pulled away in that, in that torrent of a stream of mm. information or focused on the one thing. What's going to happen is we're going to lose access to what's new and fancy and shiny and what's going on in the world. But we're going to gain depth and, and a level mm. of, of skill. That is required from time, commitment, and consistency. And there's an utter difference. Just as a quick example, just take a look at our news cycle. I often enjoy finding something that I'm curious about when I open up uh, you know, a media source and I read an article that's front page. I like continuing it for several months to find mm -hmm. out what's really going on with that story. But what happens is I have no clue what's really happening in the world. And look at our culture. We, the majority of cultures around the world say, well, you're supposed to read the newspaper. You should know what's going on. Mm. Why? Why is, that, why is that more valuable than actually getting to a deeper truth and a deeper understanding than, you know, on one thing than to have a surface level understanding of supposedly everything, which we know is BS. That's mm. not true. It's just a curated bias source yeah, absolutely, of perspective. Yeah. yeah. So, Anyways, that's just another example just to, just to clearly articulate our, our obsession, a uh, biological obsession with more, more, more. And I think now kids, to go, to go with your question, kids growing up today in particular need to learn the muscle of discernment, learn the muscle mm -hmm. of focus, 
and just sitting in that in that river seeing the torrent of stream flow around you as you yeah. choose to focus on something in the middle yeah totally totally it almost we'll, we'll get into your course in a second because i think that's quite critical and relevant to this discussion but it's almost to me that like every parent needs mm. i'm not a parent but i hope i hope if i was that i would have some of the same concerns that you've got around usage because of because thing with me technology smartphones social media and everything there's almost more rubbish that exists than than useful information that that exists i don't know what it's really subjective in terms of how you would quantify that and i think as year as years go on from one year to the next i think sort of that will increase in terms of rubbish and useful content and so there almost needs to be some type of acknowledgement for parents that not just parents but i, I say parents because they you know bring kids in, into this world and they want to do the best job for them that there are certain rules of engagement that we need to have around these smartphones because it's almost a paradox that smartphones are called smartphones when they cause us to to lose productivity and it take us away they from dumb, when they dumb us down in a way yeah and well so people people what shocked me was when i first went to uh silicon valley and i was i was working with the studying with the d school in stanford uh with their education team and i and i became aware of the fact that uh at the elite private schools throughout the world but specifically in silicon valley uh those that created the technology and created the smartphones they didn't want their their kids to use that in the school really and so here yeah so here we are in you know the epicenter for where smartphones were developed where technology mm. silicon valley right has been created and the parents there who created this this material or co-created it they are deciding that they want phone free screen free uh zones or just the entire school and it's interesting right because it's the exact opposite when i would go into the poorer areas of mm, that's of interesting and the, the schools yeah it was you know be, bring your own device and it was trying to get people because of course the difference is when you're growing up in a silicon valley family you have access to information mm. when you're growing up in uh you know there's a correlation between lower socioeconomics and access to information so a smartphone actually could te technically help someone increase their their equity um that's a little bit of a digression but mm. point being is that it, it was shocking to me to find out wait a minute the people that created this technology they don't want their kids to access it really older. what does that mean what's going yeah. on here and this yeah. was years ago this is over 10 years ago yeah and I, I would imagine that still applies you know i'm sure there's a i'm sure there's a healthy pr proportion of staff that you know probably act in the, the the same way same way so just maybe we can talk a little bit about your course you know what is involved in that and why you felt need to put that together now yeah thank you so uh the you know it's funny calling it a course because it's three days and yeah it's very simple mm. and so i call it a three-day meditation journey Technically, it's a course. Mm. You know, it's a. It has each day. You have a video welcome with a little bit of research overview. You have a meditation that uh, has been curated and you know by myself and a composer uh, who you know scored the the background music for me. Oh, cool. And then you have an exercise to integrate into your day, and then a challenge that you're that you're welcome to to try if you want to take it one step further. Mm. And it's meant to take only twenty minutes a day. So it's three days, 20 minutes a day, and it's not meant to be a one and done deal. It's meant to be something that you could return to at any point that you recognize, hey, I'm slipping. Okay. Hey, my mind is distracted. Okay. So it's a three-day meditation journey to help one increase focus and decrease distraction mm. because we live in a, you know, like we mentioned before, a highly distractible world. And so what I wanted to do was use one of my talents, which is meditation, mm. to help create a simple offering that could help people essentially take back their mind yeah okay and in terms of what the content is is it meditation is it a, a, is it sort of a combination of different things that people would do on a 
over, over those three days over. And obviously, as you've said, people can revisit it periodically when they find themselves that are slipping. Yeah. Yeah. Each day has a different focus. Right. Mm. And so the first day is just some, simply just to become aware mm. and just so just reflect and just take a look on a somatic embodied level, the role that the phone plays in your life. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it is. Cause you know, what's what's interesting is I don't mind. I mean, people could, they don't have to get the course. I can tell you what's in there. It's not about what's in there. It's about how I've curated it and put it together. So the first day, uh, what people will get introduced to is I put them in a meditation, meditative state. And, uh, and I simply just ask them to call attention to the many thoughts that are in their mind. And so you focus on it you focus on it and you, and you achieve a state of calm. And that's normal. That's basic mindfulness meditation 101. And then I introduce a very well-known common sound. And all I ask you to do is pay attention to what happens to the mind. Mm, okay, okay. And what happens is you automatically, most people, and if it doesn't happen to you, great. You might not mm. need the course. But 99.9% mm. .9 of people, what happens is, the amount of thoughts increase, mm. the ability to focus decreases. Mm. And that is really shocking mm. to most people. And so all I'm doing on day one is bringing about awareness, just saying, what's going on in your inner world? What is going on in your inner world when you hear the vibrating sound of a phone? And what the reason I did that is because it's not just a screen. It, you could literally not even bring your phone and you could be in a cafe mm. reading a book and you hear zzz, zzz from someone else. Yeah. And so <laughs> it happened. So you, unless you're living off the grid in the country, you're likely going to be interfacing with this vibrating sound that mm. has become ubiquitous. Yeah. And maybe what might be helpful, would you like me to explain a little bit of the science behind that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I, I think it's, so interesting. Mm. It just boggles my mind. But I bring up the story of Pavlov's dog. Are you familiar? No, 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 no. I, I, if okay, I said yes, I'd be lying. So yeah, say, yeah don't say lie. No. Let's be honest here. It's all yeah. good. I didn't know yeah. about it either. And I mean, yeah. I, my initial career was in education. So developmental psychology has been my bread and butter. Okay. I've been reading, you know, in this for 20, 20 years. Uh, so Pavlov's dog was so interesting because yeah, Pavlov is a researcher and what he would do is he would go to feed his dog every day. But before he would go to feed his dog, he would go ding, he would ring a bell. And so it would go ring a bell, ding, feed the dog, ring, ring a bell, ding, feed the dog. And he would do this nonstop. And what he noticed is that when he rang the bell, the dog would get really excited. Mm. And even more interestingly, his mouth would salivate. Okay. So the dog would start to drool and he would go, food time, food time, baby. Yeah. And we probably could be like, yeah, I'm like that too. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I get it. I, you know, so he would do, he did this for quite some time. And then one day he decided, you know what? I'm not going to bring the food. I'm just going to ring the bell. And what he discovered shocked the world. He would ring the bell and the dog would still salivate. There would be no food present, not even the scent of food. Mm. He would ring the bell, but the body would naturally respond in a way where the glands would salivate. So okay. there was this unconscious, involuntary behavioral response to the bell. Mm. And that is really shocking because, and it took some time. Eventually, there was a point where he would ring the bell and the dog stopped salivating, but it was quite some time. I forget okay. how much, but it was a lot longer than, than you would expect. So for a while, he would ring the bell and the dog would still salivate and he would see no food or smell no food. Carry that over now to the sound of the notification. Mm. And it's no surprise that, you know, the notification sound is a bell. Yeah, this is people aren't trying. It isn't random coincidence. The people who designed this have literally spent billions of dollars in research to better understand how they can control someone's attention because it leads to greater revenue. Yeah. So they are intentionally doing this. It doesn't mean they're bad. It just means they're good at their job. Mm. That's fine. But what happens is when you hear the zzz or the ding, 
what happens is we've been literally trained that there is a tasty treat yeah right yeah. beyond that and we've been doing this now for i don't know over 15 years if mm. not i don't know how long the game has been but it's been quite some time so for a very long time over a decade we have been receiving the stimuli that whenever you hear z, z or ding there's a notification that it's either someone who has sent you of course a very important message mm. <laughs> or it's a notification and the notification feeds into again that question that you just said earlier you, you had said i, I want to live a life of impact i want to increase my mm -hmm. impact well what better way to feel as if you're living a life of impact than to receive a whole then to put out a post on social media and receive thousands of notifications that it was liked by thousands of people on a on an animalistic behavioral level that says hey i just said something that was important i helped mm. people or i reached people i feel loved i feel loving and again nothing wrong with this this is beautiful it's great when you put this episode out i hope we receive tons of notifications mm. about it but the issue becomes when all of a sudden ding or zzz comes and all you can do is think about, oh, I wonder what food is there. Yeah. Oh, geez, yeah. I wonder. Yeah. And then it, it completely takes over your entire system. That's the issue. And that's the muscle that I argue we need mm. to work on. Okay. That's interesting. Very, very interesting. So as you were talking, I'm thinking about, I don't know whether you've ever been in that scenario where you might be, I don't know, on a train or you might be in a, in a cafeteria somewhere. And you get that, you get that ping, but you're not sure whose phone it is. You might think it's yours <laughs> and you see everybody look around and then it's, it's almost like somebody, yeah. wh whoever's ping it was, has almost got the prize because there's that, yeah. uh -huh. you know, and we all look at each other with that. There's no, there's no <laughs> communication. It's just like, it was me. It wasn't you. And that's real. That does happen. I've been in those, been there. Been there. those scenarios where. Sometimes it was me and I've got sort of, you know, that, that sort of a little bit smug, but you don't really say anything. Uh -huh. I was picked. Yeah, I was picked. It was me. And, yeah. and if it wasn't you, you sort of turn, turn away sheepishly and go back to what you were doing <laughs> and just wonder why, why is nobody, somebody yeah. must want to speak why to me. Why I matter? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so just in terms of you knowing so, so, so you, you became aware of this and, and how has, has your muscle changed in terms of how your relationship with phones and, and the, 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 the pinging that we get? It has, okay. it, it has significantly. I, 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 you know, I certainly would not, won't say that I've mastered it. And that's not what I'm arguing in the course. I'm mm -hmm. not saying that, hey, after three days, you're going to have complete control again. No, this has been years and years mm -hmm. where this, this Pavlonian response has been created subconsciously in your brain mm -hmm. or in your nervous system. What I'm saying is that after three days, you'll have awareness and you'll have a tool yeah. to be able to hone this muscle. And it's up to you how many times you want to go to the gym. So I'd literally give in the course... Uh, a tool where uh, using a, a way in which to, to move your body that you'll be able to rewire wow. the way in which your body mm. reacts to the sound of a notification. So for me, I have seen a great increase in my ability yeah. to, to focus. Would I say that it's exactly where I want it to be? No, I still have some reps to put in the gym. Mm. But what I have noticed is that it's become enough to where I can see the finish line. Yeah. I can see my ability to be able to continue to focus. And I can see my need to answer the notification to wane. Mm. And I can see the decrease that its effect has on me. Mm. And what I can also guarantee, you know, share for me is it has certainly alleviated anxiety in a way that I didn't realize I needed. Mm. Do, do you feel like you've, you're getting more control back? completely yeah completely and it's beautiful yeah and that's you know what's quite nice about that is that once you've got that awareness you've got that bit that control 
that must be quite satisfying and you could almost have a sense of smug smugness is probably not the right word but that <laughs> sense of yeah yeah i've got this well for me what's happening is is i've i've noticed in my own journey it's brought about uh, a deepening experience of life meaning mm. i can f- the the way in which i feel the wind caress my skin mm. is softer mm. the way in which i i feel when the sun sets on the ocean outside my window mm. is deeper i'm moved yeah i'm more moved by these very sensitive subtleties and there's a bit of sadness because i feel like the world is only increasing in pace mm. and i'm sitting here going guys you're missing the point mm. come just just pause for a second yeah well that's the look yeah mm, yeah that's why this that's why this discussion and your observations and causes are so important because people need to take some control back because if you really want because everybody I, I believe everybody wants to, i think everybody that's cognizant and is, and is aware wants to make an impact in whatever way that is but we'll never ever achieve that higher level of impact whilst if if we don't have any awareness and just um in terms of the course when is it actually sort of live and people launched. can get access? Yeah, launched. Yep. So it's going to be launching in, in the fall of 2021. So in a few months here. Okay. And what I'm simply just waiting on is uh, I want to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm putting my heart and soul into mm. this and everything's been created right now. It's just being honed where mm. I really want to make sure that the audio is delivered in okay. a way where it's, it's, you know, beyond what I'm able to do on my own. So mm. I'm working with a composer, like I mentioned, to yeah. put in sound effects and uh, and just make sure that the words that I use are mm. you know, the, the right word. And so what did Hemingway once say? All you need is one true sentence. Mm. And so I'm really sharpening that. And uh, it's it, right now it's set to launch in fall of 2021. Okay. And so okay. people can go to takebackyourmind.com and they could pre-order it. Mm. And in fact, there's a discount right now if you were to pre-order it. Uh, but takebackyourmind.com, you'll be able to you know, pre-order the course. And then once it's set live, you'll, you'll receive access to it. Yeah. And obviously now we're, we're, we're in an internet age. So anybody around the world can get access to this. Uh-huh. Yeah, globally. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. One, 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 wonderful. I will, and I will let you know how I, how I get on with that. And I um, yeah. would love yeah. to receive your feedback and see how it lands for you. Yeah, no, 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 I t- totally, and this has been, really fascinating because it's just brought awareness to something where I definitely have challenges in, in those areas. So just a couple of questions. Uh, one is where can people find you? Sure. So they, so uh, take back your will take you to the course for me. You can head to my website, which is my full name. Dot me, M A R K W G U A Y. Dot me. That's Mark W Gway. Dot me. And I think there's only one other person in the world with my name, and he's a lawyer in Boston. So if you type my name, you're going to get one of us, and okay. he's very different than me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's pretty easy to find me online. And of course, like you mentioned earlier, my meditations are for free on Insight Timer. So if you look okay. up my name on Insight Timer, you'll see me okay. there as well. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. And my last question is, if you could invite, this is a question I ask everybody. So oh, if you, sure. so if you could invite three inspirational people for dinner, who would you invite? Great question. So I would invite uh, Dr. Richard Shorts, the founder of Internal Family Systems. Mm. I would invite Dr. Bill Plotkin from Animus Valley Institute. His work has been utterly pivotal in my life. And then to clarify the question, do these people need to be alive or dead? No, no, no. They, they're alive or dead. Yeah, well, then hell, I'm bringing Jesus there. You know, I, got it. I mean, come on. I want him at the party. And I'm like, Yeshua, let's talk. What's going on? You know? He might That's be right. in his smartphone. Yeah, he might. Yeah, I, I want to see the way he gets distracted <laughs> by the by the cell phone. The thing is, you know, if he gets too distracted, just say, "Look, just buy this course." Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then uh, I'll give it to you for free. Just give me a testimonial. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, that's you're, you're, yeah, that's smart. Very yeah. smart. Well worth the money, Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah, that yeah, that that's, that's that, that would be amazing. if I could make that happen. That that would be amazing. <laughs> Mark, this is. I love been... that question, though. That's a great question because I think uh, of that often. I'm like, yeah. just, I, you know, there's this, there's people in this life that, um, 
you know, their words have, and their work has changed mm, my life. Yeah. And I often think, gosh, what would it be like mm. to be able to get them around and just gather just for a few hours and just have yeah, that, a conversation? Yeah. Mm. That would just be amazing. So mm. I love that question. Thank yeah. you for that. It'd be nice once a year. I don't know how you could do it because invariably we just have, not just because it's important to have dinner with loved ones and friends, but it'd be lovely just to sort of maybe organize a dinner where you could have one or two people. Host, that, host a Jefferson dinner. Yeah. I, I do that. I really? haven't done it since COVID. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I did some, uh, I met Priya Parker, the author of Art of Gathering many years ago, and she really influenced me to become mm. a gatherer. And so I, uh, for before COVID, I haven't done it since and hope to return soon, but I was doing uh, monthly dinners at my home. My wife oh, wow. and I were hosting monthly dinners where we invited 10 people mm. and there was a shared topic. Oh, and yes, a Jefferson brilliant. dinner, yeah. And a Jefferson dinner just means you focus on the topic and you don't talk about anything else, and what, and you listen to one person speak at a time. Okay. And you intentionally, as a gatherer, you bring diverse perspectives. So, mm. you know, that's a goal. And mm. of course, you set expectations that this is not surface level conversation. Mm. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. Love supersedes everything. So let's be kind here, but let's be direct. Let's be honest. Let's have the type of mm -hmm. conversations that we need to get better at having. Yeah, I would love maybe when I uh, head over there across the pond, we can have one of those. Yeah, or, or vice versa. Sure. Come uh, come to Great. come to uh, America for that. Maybe we can get Dominique. Dominique. That would be great. We that could find we could find a mutual spot. <laughs> one of us would have to tell her, and she, she, I'm sure she'll make it happen. I think she will come out to San Diego, even though we both love New York City. Okay, well, maybe we'll do that then. Mark, this has been an absolute pleasure. I've loved this. I love researching it. I've um, I love this conversation. I think it's really important subject, and I, I'm excited for the launch of your course. So thank you for giving me and everybody some insights into how we can take our minds back. Yeah, I appreciate you, Paul. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to My Perfect Failure. You can find me at www.myperfectfailure.com. And please look out for the next episode of My Perfect Failure. Take care for now. Thanks for listening to My Perfect Failure podcast. Be sure to visit www.myperfectfailure.com to join the conversation. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Look out for our next episode.